We're going, to, we're going to be in John 14 again, where we were last week. We're going to read from verse 18. There's a kind of theme to what I'm talking about. So it's by way of reminder. And this week, I really want to go after this idea of our connection with the Father. So let's read this together. One of the, this is so important. This is where Jesus has gathered his disciples in the upper room and he's unpacking this message to them before he's crucified and, and goes to heaven and then the Holy Spirit's poured out. So this is pretty meaty stuff and he says to them, I'm not going to leave you as orphans because he keeps telling them that he's going to go away and they're like, no, you can't go away from us, you're special. And what he's telling them is, I'm not going to leave you on your own. Although I go away before long, the world will not see me anymore, but you will see me because I live, you also will live. So something's, he's saying something's going to happen and on that day, you will realize that I am in the Father and you are in me and I am in you. That's pretty connected. Let's just go on. Whoever has my commands and obeys them, he is the one who loves me. He's, he who loves me will be loved by my Father and I too will love him and show myself Tim, it's not good. There's a revealing. <laughs> the Father and the Son want to show themselves to you. Not in ideas, not in words necessarily, although that can be that, not just through a Bible passage, but they actually want to show up in a way that you can recognize they showed up for you. Isn't that awesome? We, we talk about encounters, but it, this is another way of putting it. Then Judas, not Iscariot, said, But Lord, why do you intend to show yourself to us and not the world? Jesus replied, If anyone loves me and obey my teaching, my Father will love him, and we will come to him and make our home with him. And last week, we kind of homed in on that idea a bit of God making his home. He wants to dwell, not just visit. And uh, that he, he's looking for the culture of the church, the family of God, to reflect and echo and be a reproduction of the culture that he's used to in heaven. So we talked a bit about his heart, what he's like, and that, that he doesn't judge us, he's not condemning us, and that often though inside we're doing that to ourselves, and then that can leak out into our culture with judging one another, criticism, and that's really not what he wants. He wants to, he wants to lavish his love on you he wants you to feel so accepted so received that actually what you release is encouragement blessing that's what we call a culture of honor all we're talking about is language to describe the culture that God God emits from himself to us then gets reproduced from us into our environment and I won't say more because I did it last week so so we're going to go slightly backwards for a moment and, uh, and then we'll We'll land. Well, let's go back a few verses. I'm hoping we're going to... Yeah. You'll see it on that day. The verse 20 is our goal today, all right? If, if we hit verse 20 really hard and really well, we're going to have a great time. Are you ready? Strap in, buckle up, because we're going to go backwards in the book of John to verse 1 of chapter 1, just to do a couple of verses there to do something that will at first appear to not make sense. But I know how spiritual you all are, and you can kind of hang on to the mystery for a moment. Is that okay? Um, so in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was, in God, he was with God in the beginning. Through him all things were made. Without him nothing has, was made that has been made. 
in him was life and that life was the light of men that's it so in the beginning so this is John's angle on Jesus coming and he calls him the word and the word was with God and the word was God so he's saying here is the word and the word literally the translation there the word was facing God so they weren't just together they were they were actually facing one another if you like they were in intimate union and one is God and the other is God and they were together but Jesus is described as the word which is interesting but everything that's made comes from the union and communion and interconnection of the love affair and connection of the father and the son enabled by the Holy Spirit who doesn't get mentioned here but he comes in later Everything that that exists, you and I come out of that union of father and son. Isn't that beautiful? The love they have for one another produced creation. It was the motivation for production, for creation, was this love affair, this, this connection that they were together in the beginning. And the word, why does he call in the word? It's because Jesus, later it says the word became flesh and dwelt amongst us. Jesus is everything God has to say about himself. Nothing left out and nothing needs to be added and nothing needs to be deleted. Jesus is the whole message of the Father. He is everything the Father has to say and he's everything the Father wants to say and they're everything that is to be said about the Father because the Word is God. Is this making sense? If the Word is God, then every, every perspective that we hold about our relationship with God, what God is like, needs to be viewed through a reflection on and an understanding of and an encounter with the word Jesus Jesus is the full description nothing left out nothing needs to be added and nothing needs to be deleted he is the full and complete description of the heart and existence of God which is why it's really important that we look at Jesus as the lens through which we view all other truth about God and ourselves. That we don't use... The Old Testament can be really confusing. See it through Jesus, it suddenly makes more sense. You can't trump Jesus with Job. You can't trump Jesus with Moses because Moses saw the backside of God. Jesus has gazed on the face of God forever. That should tell us he has a bit more to say in some more levels of accuracy than Moses does. Jesus is the full, final, and complete revelation of the Father to the planet. He's everything that is to be said about God is Christ. And he is God. Some of you kind of nodding like... And increasingly theologians are coming to this conclusion, if you can't find it in Jesus, don't have it in your faith. If you can't find something you believe in Jesus, then ditch it from your theology because Jesus, this is saying Jesus is the word. 
He is the logos of God. Jesus is the theology of God. And it's not, it's not a book primarily, it's a living person is real theology. Which is why we value the, 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 the gospel so much, because they tell us four different people's perspective on the Logos, on the nature of God who walked the planet. And you can find what the Father is like by how Jesus is and what he said. And that often challenges some of our other ideas. And, and we do get into some of this when we do the, the course on HSSL. But I just wanted you to see this for a moment. So when people met with Jesus, they didn't meet a shrunk version or a lesser version of God. They were encountering the full package in a human body. Is this this making sense? So he wasn't like a mini-me. Well, there's God, all great and mighty and glorious, but Jesus kind of, we shrunk him right down. It's really tight to fit in to be a human. Now, it was in the human body, but you were getting the full thing. So there was some serious juice coming out of Jesus from heaven. Well, as you read the gospel, it's quite astounding when he says, like, follow me. And people dropped everything and followed him. What's going on? Well, they just met God. It's not the length of the message that meant they responded. It's what they met in the message. So, I've been thinking about this a lot recently. Remember the Gadarene story. So here's here's a guy who is in deep distress. He is so tormented by demons that he... He, has, he lives amongst the tombs. Some of the accounts say he doesn't even wear any clothes. And he has superhuman strength that from time to time when they chain him up, he can break chains. When Jesus gets out of a boat with his disciples, this super demon-possessed guy comes to Jesus. He comes to Jesus. And, and we, we know enough to know you don't get that broken, that demonized, just by playing with a Ouija board, although I would not recommend doing that either. But often, that level of oppression and possession is there because there's a great deal of pain and difficulty and abuse and all kinds of stuff in someone's history. And to try and deal with what they're feeling, they start to look for places to make them feel better and draw on things to help them feel stronger and draw on things to help them feel protected. And if you start to draw on and feed on and lean into the wrong stuff, you can end up super strong but by the wrong spirit. Is this making sense? You don't get that demonized by just being a nice guy who happened to just muck about a bit. You get in that state because something got really broken in your life somewhere seriously abused, seriously bashed, seriously broken, seriously in bad shape. And as you try and deal with all that's happening to you in your humanity and you try and find strength from somewhere, you can end up attracting and leaning into the wrong things and you become actually the things that help you become the things that make you worse. That's a kind of recognized cycle. I'm, I'm 
those of you in Sozo know exactly what I'm talking about. But here is Jesus. So, So I'm just giving you that bit of history because here is Jesus. This guy is magnetically drawn to this God man and he comes in right in front of him and there's this interaction and, and, and Jesus basically casts the demon out. Well, actually what he does in the end is gives them permission to leave, which is not in a normal charismatic Pentecostal deliverance model. The ones I've seen is like, be God in Jesus' name. Jesus is like, no, you can leave now. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> there's so much... God coming at this. They want to go. They're asking to be let go to the place of their choosing. That's a different model of deliverance. And I believe God's changing our model of deliverance. Because demons don't want to hang around you because you represent him. But there's this beautiful phrase, and you all know it, is when this is all said and done and pigs have gone into the sea and on and on and on. It says that this man was clothed and in his right mind. The longer I live, the more that is an astonishing statement. It's possibly one of the biggest miracles Jesus did. To see him not only delivered of multitudes of demons, but to then be in his right mind, where he's obviously grown up out of his mind. And to do it in So I'm all for process. I'm happy with process. Lots of us are in process. That's all good. But there's something happening. As we see more of Jesus fully manifest, we are going to see people fixed more rapidly. I'm going to say it again. As we see Jesus more fully manifest... We're going to see people fixed more fully, more rapidly, in a single moment. People whose lives have been broken for decades are going to feel the love of God with such power that every issue is resolved in one encounter, not ten. I have this prayer, this declaration that the Father is bringing us into such deep encounters with his love that every deep wound is healed, whether from abuse, trauma, neglect, or loss. That his love is going to sweep into every place of the heart and mind to bring people into freedom so that their minds are their own and their feelings are intact. That's what encountering God in Jesus does to people. It's so deep, it's so profound. Please hear me, there's lots of great counseling and I'm totally for all this, but there's a day coming where we're going to encounter the love of God so much that somehow all that happens in a one hour rather than a 10-week program. So we're going to love the process, honor those that are in process. We are all in process, but oh my, isn't it going to be so good as more and more people meet him and they're free and in a sound mind because but they're going to do that as they meet the fullness of Christ in you. (laughs) Should I say that again? That will happen as they meet the fullness of Christ in you. 
He's not going to come and do it like that again. He sent us to do what he did and greater works. Come on. <laughs> I'm going to try these guys over here. Maybe they just sort of... <laughs> you are going to do this to people because he's in you. You stand in the same place that Jesus stood. You stand face to face with Papa. You say, but I'm just such a bad person, I had such a bad day. It doesn't make any difference. He loves you on a bad day. And he loves you the same on a good day. You know, we go up and down, he stays the same. That's what the Bible says. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. This gets boring, but he's going to love you that much, the same forever and ever. Get used to it. Amen. I don't feel very loved. Well, you just are the same as you were the day you felt loved. <laughs> that helps me. I don't know if it helps you. I have bad days. It's so lovely just to wake up in the morning, feel rubbish, and go, Daddy loves me. I have bad messages. It's so good to go home and go, Daddy loves me. I'm not loved because I perform as a church leader or as a preacher. Isn't that good news? Well, it's, it's my good news. It could be yours. I think there's a potentially confusing feature of Hope Church. Yes, only one. Well, let me put it this way. I think there are many confusing features of Hope Church. But this is at the bottom of most of them. You know, some things are roots and some things are fruits. I, th I think what I want to talk about... <laughs> See, a lot of Christianity that I've grown up with and many of us have been around and it is in our environment is still built on the idea of distance. And we don't do distance here. Now what I mean by that is that even though we're saved by grace and we're going to heaven, we still feel that we have to continually seek God, draw near to God. We have to enter his gates with thanksgiving and enter his courts with praise. And we should really be spending time with him. We're not having a very praisey day so we don't feel like we're in his courts. Are you, you know... None of us ever feel like we've prayed enough, fasted enough, lay on the ground enough, worshipped enough. I've never felt like I've ever done that enough. And I've done it a lot. So I don't know how you guys are doing. But on our prayer, worship, Bible readingometer, most of the time we're coming up below what we think we need in order to get the breakthrough, the intimacy, the... Am I talking to the right people? There you go. And then... In our midst, we have some people that are better than that stuff than others, and some of them that are better at that get paid. So they stand at the front going, I have this, effectively, I have this awesome relationship with God. If you just did all the things I did, you'd be awesome too. And then we're sitting there going, I don't feel awesome, and you're awesome, so I'll just listen to you and you kind of do it for me. Yeah. <clears throat> the 
Oops. But that's a lie. Nobody's better. Nobody's better. And nobody does it better than him. And he had a great idea. I mean, the other thing that can happen is, like worship. Worship. This place is amazing for worship. But what would be terrible is that we come here to get our worship fix. So as soon as we start to go, hey guys, Hope Church is awesome worship. You should come because it's going to get you nearer to God. You're going to have a better experience of God in Hope Church. That's bad news. Let's go to Hope Church because they teach you how to get close to God. They've got the five steps and the ten principles how to succeed in intimacy. <laughs> if you learn their stuff, man, you're going you're gonna to be so in. You're going to be so close. You're going to blow the world away. That would be terrible. You don't need our messages or our worship to improve your union. You don't need stuff from spiritual leaders to get you closer to God. That's religion. Religion peddles its wares on the need to help you connect. And Christians get burned out all over the world because they try, they've got saved, and there's a hunger, there's a desire to be close to Heavenly Father. That's just in us. In fact, it's in everybody, not just believers. There's a desire for intimacy with somebody. We know it's Him, we know it's Heavenly Father. And you become a Christian and somewhere you buy the idea that you are saved and you're going to heaven but he's over there and you're over here or he's up there and you're down here and the rest of your life is trying to find ways to fill that gap. So you want to find the place with the best worship, the best teaching, the people that are going to help you the most to fill that need of filling the distance of Walking across the gap and you spend 5, 10, 15 years giving it all your passion because you are born again and you want to be close to Jesus and you want to enter his gates with praise. You want to fast until heaven comes down. You want to cry out until blood comes out of your guts. Uh, it still doesn't feel right. And people give up. People get cynical. People get discouraged. People burn out. Keep looking for the next great revelation, the next great thing. Just one more experience. Somehow if I get rid of all my bad days, then I'll know that me and him are one. If I just get a bit purer, if I could just fast for long, if I could just fast at all. <laughs> the apparent mysterious nature of the solution keeps us looking. 
keeps us buying the books and downloading the messages and going to the conferences because we want him. Yeah. Our made. Ain't we ache for him. We are made for intimacy. You were designed for intimacy with Papa. And until you get it, you will almost kill yourself doing it. And many believers do. And they show up to church, and they, but it's all a little bit empty because they've got fed up of trying. And they slowly die of exhaustion, sadness, cynicism, and even despair because they have been faithful and true to the cause. They've worked, they've praised, they've experienced, they've given, and they still feel short of their goal. I have some good news for you. That's not what we're about. But it's confusing because lots of other things start to pedal one way or another. The idea of distance, and we're here to help you close the distance. We're here to tell you there is no distance. And keep telling you there is no distance until we all believe there's actually no distance. And we start to behave like we are connected to heaven. Heavenly Papa is with us that he is in us. And we are in him, and we're all in the Father. There's no distance. Where's the distance in that scripture? You could go away and think about it, but if I'm in him and he's in me and we're in the Father, that's what Jesus said was going to happen when he died and rose again. Why do I think that there would be a gap? All distance was cancelled. The idea that it continues is the biggest lie that the church could believe. You should actually be starting to look happier than you are now because this is really, really good news. But don't force it. Please don't force it for me. But a little bit would just be nice. Trying to get close to God will never work because it's built on a fundamental lie, which is he's already done it. It's like trying to blow up a tire that's already full of air. It's like trying to climb up a mountain and you're already on the top. It makes no logical sense, so it's never going to work. Are you with me? We have to start, so I'm not against praise and worship and prayer or reading the Bible. Please don't misunderstand me. But we're doing it from a place of intimacy and connection. And because he's in us and we're in him and we're in the Father, not to get it. We're doing it because we've got it. Distance is a lie. I'm not worthy of intimacy, you may think. But that's why there was a cross. That's why there was blood. That's why there was his sacrifice. That's why he laid his life down. Because you could never make yourself worthy. He gave you worthiness as a free gift.
Apostle Paul put it this way. He said, Christ is in you. The hope of glory. So in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And the Word became flesh and dwelt amongst us. Then he came and lived in you. And brought you to the same place that he had. You are one with Christ and he is one with you. That's a free gift of righteousness. Righteousness isn't fundamentally an activity or a substance. It's a person. gave us the free gift of the righteous one. I think worship becomes even more amazing as we understand we're not trying to enter in something, we're trying to express something we've entered. It was happening this morning, we were joining in because that's where we already were. We're, we're. we're partnering with what's already taken place. Oh, I've just got to get myself in the presence. You are in the presence. You ever got to work hard? I want to be deeper in the presence. You're as deep in as you can get. You're as deep in his presence as Jesus is. You ever don't feel it? Well, feeling it is different to it not being so. Most of the time, I'm not aware that I'm breathing, but thank God I am. (laughs) So just because I don't think I'm breathing doesn't mean I'm not. Hello, church. So just because you don't think he's in you and you're in him doesn't mean it isn't true. So the stuff we do, the worship, the praying, the the meditating, the soaking, one of the things that does is help us realize and align with what is already true. Yeah? So it's bringing your experience into line with the reality of where you are and who you are. It isn't establishing that reality. It's not about filling a gap. It's about coming into an experience of the reality that he's already given you as a free gift. That's why in Hebrews it says, let's, enter, let's strive to enter his rest. Whereas most of us are striving to enter his presence, 
We do, we do worship from rest. He's still looking at me like, <laughs> I don't know what it is. We have talked about this before. I told you it makes this place weird. Hope Church is not about getting you closer to God. It's about helping you realize you're already connected. And about helping if there are hindrances, misunderstandings, lies that we are believing that mean that union isn't functioning wholesomely in our life. Do, do, do you see? So there can be things that hinder us. It's not to do with worthiness. It can just do with things that we are believing or maybe things we're afraid of. But those can get resolved. Those can get sorted out. Connection is yours. Hello? So we're worshipping from a place of connection, not for it. We're praying from a place of intimacy, not in order to enter into intimacy. We're doing these things to develop relationship, not to get a relationship. You, so like the Father loves us when we, talk, loves when we talk to him and loves to talk to us. That's prayer. That's the fruit of a relationship that's established. It's not doing it to establish it. It's developing it. It's growing it. And then you start to feel and hear and see things that he sees and feels and hears and it becomes normal. Is this making sense? I think this, I believe this is the mystery that Jesus came to reveal and Paul and others of the apostles revealed distance is cancelled by the cross. Religion ended at the cross and resurrection of Jesus. You don't have to do stuff to get close. He came and he inhabited the earth and died so he could inhabit you and me. That is the good news. Just think on it for him. Just take a minute. I'm giving him gaps because I'm like, you're all looking at me like. I don't know what to say. Christ is in you, the hope of glory. The fullness of deity dwelt in him in bodily form and you have been given fullness in him. That's, I'm just quoting Colossians. Greater is he who is in you than he who is in the world. We are one spirit with him. Yeah, but James says, draw near to God and he'll draw near to you. Well, we actually already covered that. I believe that's dealing with our current experience, not to do with our status. So it's to do with our experience of our union. So there are times when we feel distant 
And that's saying, let's overcome that using the things he's given us. And our relationship building things, worship, prayer, the word. But it's not, to, it's not because there is actual distance. It's to overcome what we feel is distance. Think about that for a couple of minutes. If we are going to do the things that Jesus did, and he said that we would, did he not? He said we would do John 14 again. John 14 is an absolutely key passage if you want to understand what God is doing in these days. Jesus said that we would do the things that he did and greater things because he goes to the Father. We're going to do the things that he did and greater things by doing it the way he did it, which was actually from our complete union with the Father, we display that to the world. So he went to the Father to establish what we've just been talking about this morning. We distribute heaven by distributing the heart of the Father. Sit here, the Father saying that he's been waiting for today for many of you. It's a special day for lots of people in this room where you are realizing that he delights in you thoroughly regardless of your current feelings. And today's a day he's put aside for you in his, his special calendar that you would know. And you would actually feel and hear his celebration over your life. And that you would know that he has, he has made it totally impossible for him ever to back off of you. Some of you right now are hearing the Father in a way you've never heard him before. And he's telling you that you are his treasure. Regardless of the life you've lived, the feelings you have, the abuse you've experienced, you are his treasure. And no one is going to take that away from you. Some of you for the first time are understanding that the Lord Jesus in all his resurrected beauty and glory actually lives in you. <laughs> and that means a lot. <laughs> so Father, this morning we just released that in this room fresh revelation, fresh understanding that, that we are here to celebrate, enjoy, release, develop our relationship with you because you have already made the connection. You have already drawn us close. You've already given us union. If you want to, just put your hand on your heart. I'm just going to pray increase in the spirit of revelation open our hearts God open our minds to see remove the clutter of the lies that say there's a gap, there's a distance why don't you just agree with that yourself, God remove the clutter remove any lies that tell me there's distance remove anything that is telling me the untruth that I'm not wanted, you don't care, and this doesn't apply to me. Father, just remove those things.
all around this room. Every heart, every mind. Ha. <laughs> Let the, the dam break. Let the rocks move. Let the floods begin. The rivers of living water that flow from within us. Because <laughs> Christ is in us. The living water is in us. So just speak over your heart again. I speak over my heart. You're the residing, you're the dwelling place of God. This body is where Jesus lives. Come on, speak it over yourself. This body is where Jesus lives. And he wants to be expressed, released. Not to leave, but to be expressed. Everything I've longed for in intimacy with you, I've read for, I've changed churches for, I've fasted for, I've got depressed about, I've got frustrated because it's not happening, is solved in this one thing. He's here. And he's not going away. And you don't have to earn it. You don't have to work for it, he's in you. It starts today. Intimacy has begun. You don't have to dial it up better. It's just here. So why don't you, if you've not already done, just welcome him. Thank you, Jesus, you live in me. Thank you, Jesus, you live in me in all your fullness. Say it with me. Thank you, Jesus, you live in me. Say it all together. Thank you, Jesus, you live in me. You live in me in all your fullness. I am not unworthy of this intimacy. You've made me worthy of infinite intimacy with the Father. Worthy of infinite intimacy with the Father. I accept your gift right now. Let those rivers of love flow in my belly. You could say that too if you want. Let those rivers of love flow in my belly. Hey. So good, God.